Hey, this is Ryan Thomas. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are just the very best, and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Well, Robbie Gallaty isn't who you think he is. Though he grew up in a very religious family, attended church every Sunday, and confession on Saturday is needed, an accident led him to drugs, to theft, and in short order, to rock bottom. But God wasn't done with him. After a trip to rehab followed by a relapse and a second rehab visit, Robbie surrendered his life to Christ, and nothing has ever been the same. Robbie is now an internationally sought-after speaker and the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. In his new memoir, Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God, Robbie shares hope for anyone who thinks God is done with them and celebrates the miraculous salvation found in the gospel. Good, sir. It is a joy to welcome you back to the show today. I imagine the book launch and everything that goes with it has kept you on your toes. Have you been able to ever so slightly descend down from those toes quite yet? No, man. It's It's been a roller coaster ride, but man, I'm looking forward to being on with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you back. And at the heart of this great book is an amazing journey that you've walked to just incredible redemption and purpose. Let's kick it off where it began. You did grow up in a house where church was a key signpost of the week. Who was God to you, would you say, in those early years, Pastor? Yeah, that's a great question. So I I was raised in a Roman Catholic home. I had great parents. And if you read the book, the book, the storyline is built around my parents. So I had this middle-class, all-American, great family. Uh, we were Roman Catholic, so we were very religious. Went to church every Sunday. If we missed church on Sunday, uh, went to confession on Saturday. And uh, I lived this way. And I've realized since then that doesn't just happen in the Catholic Church, but we have people that do that in the Baptist Church and the Presbyterian the Methodist Church. But go in on Sunday, Ryan, I would expect the peace of God to come over me. And then I would live like I wanted from the ne- next Monday through Saturday. Sure. And then I would b- repeat the process, right? And I knew who God was, but I didn't have a relationship with him. So God to me, and somebody listening may be saying the same thing, God to me growing up was this overbearing, authoritative dictator who was out to chastise me every time I'd get out of line. And so he wasn't a God of love. He wasn't a God of mercy and grace. And so when I went to college, so I got a scholarship to go play basketball at UNC Greensboro. Uh, went to an all-boys Catholic high school, played basketball, and I was going to go to a Division One school. I was all excited, but I was dating a girl. And, you know, in high school, you think you're in love, and so I'm dating this girl, and she's like, hey, there's no way you can go that far away to college. You have to go close to home. And so I literally opened up the phone book, and I found William Carey. And some people say, I was telling my son this story the other day, and he said, what's a phone book, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. You know, I'm like, well, let me explain a phone book. But anyway, I opened the phone book and found a local college named William Carey College in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And I didn't even know who William Carey was, much less that he was a missionary. I called the coach up and I said, Coach Knight, can I try out for the team? 
He said, Robbie, it's two weeks before the school starts. There's no way we can do it. He hesitantly let me try out. And by the grace of God, I had one of the greatest tryouts I've ever had in my life. In fact, my mom told me years later, she said, Robbie, I've seen every game you've played. You have never played good up to this point, And frankly, you haven't played good since then. But on you know that day... It was like everything came together. I had Michael Jordan-like reflexes. And the coach gives me uh, a scholarship to go play basketball at William Carey. Two weeks into the school semester, the girl I'm dating who's at LSU thinks I'm, break, uh, thinks I'm cheating on her, which I wasn't, but she thought I was cheating on her. And so she breaks up with me. And here I am, by the providence of God, a Roman Catholic on the campus, unbeknownst to me, of a Southern Baptist college. And for those who don't know what that means, I'm like the target of every evangelism class on campus, right? Uh, there was a game called Convert the Catholic, uh, and that was me. And so I was like the target in the headlights uh, of hunting season. So did any of those efforts speak to you in any way good, sir? I heard the gospel uh, for the next two years. But what I found is, and here's an interesting thing to think about, uh, particularly in evangelism, what what I realized was I was a project for my classmates. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college, my second semester or second year, that a guy named Jeremy Brown did something that was a novel idea. Here's what he did. He actually befriended me as a person, right? Like I wasn't a project or a notch on a belt or a statistic or a number. Right. I was a friend. And he, through relational evangelism, began to share the gospel. Now, I wouldn't come to faith in Christ for seven years, but here's the cool insight. Don't underestimate the power of the sown seeds of the gospel into the hardened hearts of people, because I was the last guy who would ever come to Christ, but God would use those seeds planted in that hard soil of my heart to bring to fruition seven years later, Ryan. So just want to encourage people out there, don't give up sharing the gospel and showing the gospel to lost people. Well, that's one of my favorite parts of the story. I absolutely love, and don't forget that, because what happens from that story is absolutely incredible in just a moment. But if you're just tuning in today, this is Pastor Robbie Gallaty. He's the senior pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and authors the freshly released book, Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. And it plays out right there in the subtitle of the book, but it's a stunning accident that you suffer when you're just coming home from work one day that really sets you down this path of substance abuse. Can you explain what happened there? In college, I started a network marketing biz. I was started uh, being a part of a network marketing biz, kind of like Amway or Excel or ACN. Uh, And so I was in this network marketing business and I within a few years, had thousands of people in my downline, both customers and people working the business. Uh, my dad put up the money. I worked the business. I thought I was going to be a millionaire by by the time I was 25. I was test driving F-355 Ferrari Spiders, and I thought, man, this is going to be it. My role models were Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Les Brown. Uh, my motto was, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And all that's going to come into play later. So I'm a you know self-made man in my own mind. And uh, I get out of college. I didn't get a job because I was going to be a millionaire, I thought. And then the whole thing turned out to be a pyramid scheme. And uh, I'll never forget the phone call. Uh, the company called and said, you got to tell all of your downline they're not going to get paid next month. 
And that rocked me. I was 22 years old. I wasn't able to handle that. I went through a season of depression and uh, I decided I didn't want to do anything as far as business. So I start training Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm 6'6 at the time, still am, but back then 6'6, 290 pounds. And I'm out one night at a restaurant and a guy says, hey, why don't you be the head bouncer of my club downtown New Orleans in the middle of Mardi Gras? Ryan, I'm like, let me get this straight. You're going you're gonna to pay me to fight, you know? And I'm like, I'm in. Like, what kind of <laughs> offer is that? And so it was the wildest three months of my life. I mean, you can imagine all the stories and, and things that happened. A guy pulls a gun on me in the parking lot. I realize I need a career change. So I moved from bouncing to bartending. I'm coming home from work. This is one of my whole life changes. November 22nd, 1999. I'm driving home from work and an 18-wheeler comes across two lanes of traffic, sandwiches my car into the guardrail, 65 miles an hour, and my seat actually breaks off the hinges, my back torques. I herniate two discs in my neck, two discs in my back. So Goodness. for those listening, and those can re- people who can resonate that hear this because a lot of addictions, they start as the result of an accident, right? Like a shoulder injury or a back injury or a toothache. And you're taking the drugs like I was every four to six hours for pain. So I go to the doctor legitimately in pain. And he sends me home at 22 years old with four things, Oxycontin, Valium, Soma, and Percocet. How quickly did it move from medicinal to something that you just couldn't control? Within two to three months, I'm addicted to pharmaceutical drugs. That I, I can't make money uh, as much as I'm hurt. I can't train anymore. Uh, I have this insatiable desire to get high. And within three months, I'm running through the prescription every that's supposed to last 30 days and two weeks and I'm running out of pills and I meet a friend in the city and a so-called friend. He's like, Hey, why are you fooling with pharmaceutical drugs, Robbie? You can buy street drugs. You can buy heroin and cocaine. You can buy it in bulk. You can bag it up, sell it, make money. Well, what was once helpful for me with the network marketing mentality of building a business and a downline, I brought that business knowledge into the drug world and started an illegal import business. And I have to say, that just by the world standards, in the beginning, I had tons of money. I mean, we had the life that I, I thought I always wanted. I traveled where I wanted. I flew where I wanted. I partied all the time. Sure. But even back then, and, and for someone listening, if you're struggling with this and you're there, even back then, I knew there had to be more to life than this. I just, I just knew. I would go to bed at night and i think, there has to be more to it. And I had everything by the world standards. I had a $50,000 Cadillac CTS, black on black, pay cash for the thing. And I'm not telling you any of this to impress you, but I really want to impress upon you just how far the Lord has brought me from. So times were good, uh, but I ran out of money. And so in the process of trying to find a way to fuel my desire, I came up with this idea of robbing my own parents. And, and my parents at the time, good good Catholic, uh, tight-knit Italian family. We, we hung out every weekend. We were close friends. My dad was my best friend. In fact, he stood at my wedding. So really close. Uh, and at the time I wasn't married, but eventually he would. But here I was, and I had to resort to stealing from my own family. So what I did was I memorized my dad's credit card number. And over the course of fifth, uh, uh, three months, I charged $15,000 on the family bank account. I almost bankrupted my family. 
I'll never forget the phone call, and this will this will connect with some people who are there. My mom found out what happened, and she called me on the phone, and she said, Robbie, we found out about what you did. Your father's furious, and I'm disappointed. Don't you ever come to this house again. Oh, my goodness. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. Anytime, and for those listening, if you have a family member or a friend or if you have a, a relative or a son or a daughter or a husband, you know that any long-term drug addiction is the result of an enabler. So anybody that's in a perpetual addiction, you could trace it back to an enabler. For me, it was my dad, but normally it's a mom. My mom was not the enabler, uh, Ryan, because she lost her mom at 11. She had to raise her three brothers at an early age. We, we affectionately call my mom the warden, which if you're listening, Mom, we love you. But she's the warden with the love of Christ, of course, right? But Amen. she's the warden, and she didn't put up with it. But my dad was an enabler. And so I could manipulate dad to give me uh, money for my phone bill three times a month. I, I could manipulate dad. I could manipulate him to give me uh, rent money twice a month, right? And so my dad would break down. And he thought he was helping me. But what he was actually doing was perpetuating one of three things, because drug addiction always ends in one of three ways, jail, institutions, or death. And so my mom calls me on the phone, and this is what saved my life. She said, Robbie, don't ever come to this house again. Obviously such a heartbreaking moment, but the moment that you point to as life-saving, literally life-saving, when you write about that moment, you give us perspective on enabling and enablers by saying that you're going to find a savior somewhere. Could you, could you share that phrase? That was pretty extraordinary. Here's the line I've come up with, and I've shared this with countless family members, people who are enablers. Here's the line I want you to get. If you keep being their savior, Jesus never can be. And think about that. Like, like, wow. why would someone who's on drugs or alcohol or has an addiction, why would they turn to Jesus when they have mom or dad or, or brother or sister? So my mom, in a sense, had to create a bottom for me. She created some parameters to say, you're cut off and we're not going to put up with this. And here's what happened. Eventually, that disowning, that cutting off brought me to faith in Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're listening and you're, you're kind of there and you're like, man, I really want to help my family, but I keep enabling. Yeah. You have to get to a place when you turn them over to God and trust that God's going to handle this the way that God can handle it. Oh, uh, well, Pastor Robbie, that's, that's an amazing moment right there. This inflection point uh, with the story, just to say, if you're just tuning in today to Faith Radio's On the Road, this is the incredible story of redemption and purpose of Pastor Robbie Gallaty. He's the senior pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, Hendersonville, Tennessee, and authors the freshly released book, Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God. So you do describe it as rock bottom, this period after your mom really just gives you that tough love where you actually end up living without gas, without electricity, and even without water for a period of months, right? What was what was it that, that finally made you decide it was time to go back home? Well, I had to get to the place when I realized that I couldn't save myself. And, 
you know, I, I've heard about God in the past. And remember in college, I'd heard the story from my friend about, you know, I heard about Christ and I knew who Jesus was, but I wasn't desperate enough. I wasn't low enough where I had to depend upon the Lord. So I had to lose it all. I lived without gas, electricity, and water for almost three months. Uh, I had stolen from my family, but I decided to basically suck up my pride, go back home and beg my parents to take me back. And here's what's cool. And I, I write this, I write the whole book around my parents because I really want to give hope to family members. But I went to my parents and I said, and they were unbelievers. And I said, mom and dad, I'm sorry, would you take me back? And my parents extended the grace of God to me and the love of God in a way that I've never forgotten. And here's what they did, Ryan. They took me back, no strings attached. They paid off my debts. They, they basically bought back all of the things I had pawned at the pawn store, and they put me in rehab a, a week later. Now, the cool thing about my parents is they had no clue what God would do years later. They were just saving their son and, and extending grace to their son. But little did they know, and I don't think any of us knew this, their grace to me in saving me physically is what God used years later by using me to save mom, dad, and sister spiritually. So the book ends, not to get the book away, but the book <laughs> ends with a really cool moment of me welcoming my parents into the baptistry where I had the privilege to baptize my parents. And here's what I, I, I tell parents and family members who are dealing with it. When you're down to nothing, don't underestimate the fact that God's up to something. <sighs> and it may look dark. I mean, listen, I mean, it's, it's dark and it's tough and it's difficult. But if there's life, there's hope. And if there's breath, there's opportunity. And so I went back to my parents. They put me in rehab. I came back from rehab. And for nine months, I was sober. But I got to the place in my mind, and this is what happens. I started to think, wow, I'm fine. I can go back and uh, I hurt my back again. So I got back on drugs thinking this time I'm not going to be addicted. You know, I thought I could beat it this time. I'm smarter now. I've been through rehab. Sure. And one of the things about a drug addiction is you don't start over. For those who've never been on drugs or addicted, you don't start over. You pick up where you left off. And you actually explained that's one of the reasons right there that we see so many of these tragic drug overdoses, right? because their body detoxed and now they pick right up where they left off. I'm back on drugs and alcohol again. I go to a second rehab treatment and, and people have asked me, why have you gone to rehab twice? And what I tell people is this sobriety without Jesus Christ is always a dead end street. And the reason for that is this, you and I are bound by this addiction, almost like a prison cell and we can walk in the cell and we can move around in the cell. We think we're free but we're still bound by the, by the addiction. We're still bound by the drugs. We're still bound by our, sin, by our sin. It takes someone from the outside, namely Christ, to come open the door of the cell in order for us to walk out in freedom. And I could not save myself. And so I came back from the second rehab treatment, and I honestly was just desperate. I mean, I'd love to say, man, I knew the gospel and I understood the gospel. But here's what I did. I took as much faith as I had, and I put it in as much of Jesus Christ as I knew. And I got, brother, I'm telling you, it was a 24-hour experience. I talk a little bit about it in the book with Christ. I, I had a Paul-like conversion. The day I was saved, the next day I went to my dad. Now, my dad's still 
Roman Catholic in the church, and so he doesn't know preachers and pastors. He knows priests. So I said, Dad, God's called me to preach. <laughs> my dad looks up from the recliner. <laughs> you got a picture of my dad here. Looks up from the recliner. He's like, son, what are you, you know, he's thinking, what are you smoking? <laughs> what, how are you going to get married by being a priest, he says. You know, he doesn't know. And, man, I didn't know what God was doing in my life either. So I started uh, speaking for the Lord shortly thereafter. I, I didn't know how to preach, but I knew magic tricks or card tricks I learned as a kid. So I'm doing tricks and sharing the gospel. God opens the door. And here's another valuable insight I talk about in the book that I had to learn the hard way. I thought I was invincible. Like I thought, man, I'm a Christian. I can go back in the world and save my two friends. My two closest friends were Brandon and Eloy. And uh, I went back in the world to try to save them. And I said, hey, let me share with you what Christ is doing in my life. Do you guys mind? And they said, no. Do you mind if we roll a joint while you do it? I said, no. <laughs> I just remember coming to. I am walking two weeks later from the, from the moment I started sharing Christ with them. I'm walking on Bourbon Street. I've got a beer in my hand, and I'm going back to his apartment to snort an eight ball of cocaine as a Christian. When you're reading this book, you're going to think, is there any hope for this guy? You know, is he ever going to get off? But I learned this last valuable lesson. No one is immune from the effects of sin. And what takes a, a lifetime to build in a testimony, Ryan, we know this, can be ruined in a moment. What, what was built in a lifetime can be ruined in a moment. And here, here was I back on drugs. But this too is not the end of the story. And whereas the first time God used your mom to reach into your life, to speak into your life, this time he uses somebody that we might expect just a little bit less. Is that fair to say? Every morning I'm driving to get high from the uh, drug dealer and the projects I was buying from. And uh, I would drive every morning at 11 a.m. to the daiquiri shop. And I am sharing Christ with the girl who's working behind the counter as a bartender. And I go to the drive-thru. Hey, I'd like the strongest drink, the 190 octa. And oh, by the way, Christy, did you know Jesus rose from the dead and died for, oh, 450. Okay, sorry, let me get, and I give her the money. And I would preach to her as I was getting drink drinks on the way to go get high. Wow. And this went on for about about a month. This is a girl who was an atheist, far from God, pot smoker, who's never been in church in her life. But she had enough sense to know something wasn't right. She leans out the window. God uses this girl to bring me back to him. Watch this. She says, Robbie, for someone who knows so much about Jesus, you sure don't act like it. Oh, my goodness. And Ryan, that was the shot across the bow of my life when God just stopped me in my tracks and in the process of sharing Christ with this girl who became a believer, God brought me back to himself. Now, here's a cool story about God. She married a guy that I, the first person I led to Christ besides her was a guy at the gym named Casey. Christy and Casey have gotten married, and they went to Miami to plant a church. So God <laughs> is so good in how he uses it. But it brought me back to him, and it showed me a valuable lesson. Nobody is immune from the effects of sin. So we all need healthy boundaries and parameters in our life, lest we all fall, if not for the grace of God. Well, Pastor Robbie Gallaty, how's that for an incredible story of what God can do what he does? The senior pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, Hendersonville, Tennessee. The book is called Recovered, 
how an accident, alcohol, and addiction led me to God. There is such hope here for parents, for families of those battling addiction. It's, it really is an incredible book wrapped around this extraordinary story. And Pastor Robbie, there are multiple places and so many different aspects of ministry you're involved with. But if people do want to pick up a copy of the book and learn more about you, where is the place to start that journey on the web, sir? Yeah, so I uh, I left this out of my story, but after I came back to Christ, I wandered for the next few months, not knowing how to read the Bible, not knowing how to pray, memorize scripture. And I met a man at church named David Platt, who, for those who don't know, he's an author and a pastor, but he was a seminary student. And David invested in me for the next two years, every week, twice a week for the next two years. And so I'm the product of discipleship. And so I've given my life to making disciples and helping people do that. So I have a, a ministry we started called Replicate. Uh, so people can go online. We have resources there, and uh, we have blogs. I have a, uh, a podcast I do on making disciples. The, the website is replicate.org. Uh, and then you can pick the book up. And my prayer is that this is a book people will read and then pass on to those struggling to show people there's hope. Because you understand, in this world, of drugs and alcohol, there's not a lot of hope. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, uh, joy. Uh, there's a lot of darkness and despair. And so my, my prayer for this book is that God would use this to bring hope to people who are hurting. Well, it is full of hope. It is absolutely bubbling up and overflowing with that hope. One more time. It's called Recovered, How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction led me to God. Pastor Robbie Gallaty. Sir, what a pleasure to talk with you again today. It just such a remarkable story. Thanks so much for taking the time to share it today, sir. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you so much for listening. Programming like this is available through your support, and you can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. We'd also love to hang out with you during the week on Facebook and on Twitter. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas. Talk to you again soon.